In the immigration courts that Americans were introduced to in news stories this summer, children, unaccompanied minors, were appearing unaccompanied at bewildering legal proceedings. But the nation's immigration courts, with about 350 judges, handle all manner of immigration matters, from asylum cases to deportations. And now the union representing those judges has filed a labor grievance against the Justice Department after one of their members who questioned whether the government was sending come-to-court notices to -to up-to-date addresses was removed from a number of his cases. Judge Ashley Tabador, speaking as president of the National Association of Immigration Judges, talks about the group's rare step in making a labor grievance public. The action came several weeks after the Supreme Court ruled that immigration and customs enforcement court date notices sent to longtime undocumented immigrants facing deportation were invalid because they didn't have a date, time, or place of the hearing. In short, the unusual role and status of the nation's immigration courts just got a lot more unusual. While you are judges, you are not part of the judiciary branch of the United States government. You work for the Department of Justice, which is in the executive branch. That's probably one of the most misunderstood part of our court system. Our immigration court system is situated within the Department of Justice, and we are all ultimately accountable to the United States Attorney General, who appointed us to this position as immigration judges. And this is, frankly, where the fundamental flaw of the whole system is born out of, the fact that on a daily basis, our duties and responsibilities is to be a judge. When I go to court, I'm wearing a robe. I'm sitting behind the bench. I have two parties before me. One is always the government and the other one is the individual that the government is seeking to remove from the United States. I hear both sides of the case. I am bound uh, by my oath of office and by law to be an impartial decision maker and limit my decision based on the facts and the law of the case. But because I'm an immigration judge who's been appointed to the position by the attorney general, I'm treated as a regular federal government attorney within the prosecutorial branch of the government. And as such, then we run into all the issues that we've had to deal with from the birth of this court, uh, but which has become much more pronounced in the recent past with the approach of the department to the court as a, essentially a prosecutorial tool rather than an immigration court independent from law enforcement policies of the executive branch. And that's the genesis of your grievance. Because you are a labor organization, employees within the Department of Justice, you filed a formal grievance against your employer, essentially, the Department of Justice. What is that grievance? So I think it's definitely a head-scratcher, which I can relate to for most people to imagine that why would judges need a a labor union? It just seems incongruent, and I can completely understand that, but that's where the problem comes from, which is that we are expected to wear two basically mutually exclusive hats. We're expected to be judges during the day, but also then be treated as regular attorneys by the Department of Justice. And our grievance uh, that you're referring to is born out of the department's basically crossing the line in terms of interfering with the decisional independence and the oath of office of an immigration judge. In the case of the particular grievance, it's Judge Stephen Morley, a very well-known and respected judge in Philadelphia. He was assigned the case of Castro Tomb, which the Attorney General at some point had certified to himself to use as a mechanism to pronounce new 
law and to restrict the judge's authority in terms of some of the docket management tools available. This is a, a man named Reynaldo Castro Tum. He was 17 years old when he crossed the border illegally in 2014. He's from Guatemala. He was caught by the Border Patrol, handed over to Health and Human Services as an unaccompanied minor, released to the care of his brother-in-law. And then when the letters started coming from the government, they couldn't find him at that same address. Correct. So, But by the time the immigration court proceedings were initiated and the hearings were scheduled, the court had some concerns about whether there's sort of the chain of the evidence showing that the person had received proper notice had been met. So the judge has raised concerns about that, which is a fundamental due process right. The parties is to be given proper notice. So then the case was taken away from Judge Morley and given to a supervising judge who is not a member of your union organization. And this was a judge who was brought from Washington to Philadelphia for this one case to find what? In favor of the government? Yes. I mean, that's where the problem arises because the case was taken away from Judge Morley in the middle of him exercising his judgment and discretion over the case, which is part of his decisional independence. This is what the oath of office is. This is what his authority is. And the agency just took the case away from him and gave it to a supervisory judge who doesn't have the same protections in the sense of being a member of the association. Certainly, it appears that the the supervisor was assigned on purpose, came in for that single uh, case and order the person deported. Is your concern that this case, what happened to Judge Morley, that the case was taken away from him, and other cases as well, is supposed to be a message from the Justice Department on how these deportation cases should be handled? We're very concerned because the very essence of what it means to be a judge is to have that decisional independence, which is that the judge cannot be influenced, that the proceedings cannot be intervened with by the agency in order to then secure a specific type of result. And in this case, what was very clear was that they were not happy with the fact that he had raised some questions of concern regarding due process, that they were not happy with the exercise of his judgment over the case and just wanted it to be done another way. And and he had raised similar issues in about several dozen other cases, all that shared the same pattern of problems that he saw. And they took all of those cases away from him and have reassigned it presumably to other in the other judges. And to us, that just crosses the line. It's an absolute indefensible action on the part of the agency. It's one thing for the agency to administer and support the judges from an administrative perspective, but it's another to use that opportunity to reassign a case in the middle of a pending matter before a judge just because they're not happy with the decisions that he's making on that case. The grievance goes on to say that the reassignment of this case violated Judge Morley's decisional independence. It directly flies, it says, in the face of the prohibition on the agency of directing the result of a pending assigned matter before an immigration judge. So you have chapter and verse on what you and your fellow judges are supposed to do, supposed to be able to do in court, and you're saying that this didn't happen with Judge Morley. Is it happening elsewhere? 
Well, we're concerned that if this is allowed to proceed without being challenged, that this is going to set a precedent for the agency to take such actions, which are in direct violation of the decisional independence of the judges. This is the first example we're seeing, and it's a pretty egregious example, and we want to make sure that this is stopped uh, dead in its tracks. Shorthand phrase for this would be judge shopping, that a case would be taken away and given to a judge that the government, head of the uh, Justice Department or your supervisors, would have a better outcome for what the Justice Department would like to see, i.e. deportation. That is exactly what we're concerned about, is that the, that the authority to just assign cases is for the pure purpose of administration of the court, not for the purpose of reaching a certain result or doing the judge shopping. And that, uh, that cannot be tolerated. What's the response of the Justice Department to your grievance? Well, they haven't responded formally to us yet. We do have under our grievance procedures, which is under the collective bargaining agreement, an opportunity to have a discussion or a meeting with the agency, after which they have a period of time to respond to our grievance. From the date of the filing, there's a 60-day time period for them to resolve the grievance, or else we have the opportunity to take it to arbitration. Since the Trump administration began Has your caseload changed? Has the nature of the work changed? A lot of our problems all stem from the fundamental flaw of having an immigration court system in the Justice Department, which is a prosecutorial agency. Many of the issues we've seen with this inherent conflict predates this administration, but this administration has taken all of those weak points, all of those weak links, and have essentially put it on steroids. So we are seeing the use of the court at the beginning just for political reasons to send political message by redirecting or reshuffling our docket. So we had about a third of our judges all of a sudden sent to the border to try to send the message of law enforcement. And then we have the agency announcing that they're going to impose quotas and deadlines on judges. This is an absolutely unprecedented act. When the department has announced that they're going to subject judges to quotas and deadlines as a part of keeping their job. Because even with the prior um, administrations, they had agreed that individual judge performance evaluations should never be connected to numbers. Because the minute you connect it to numbers, you're now introducing a personal financial interest of the judge into each case. And whether or not the judge is actually thinking about it, the parties then have a reasonable basis to question every one of the judge's decisions. This sounds a little bit like sweatshop work, that you only get paid by the number of pieces you produce. My colleague calls it assembly line justice, and that's exactly the problem that we're facing, is that the administration basically views the judges as as tools in pushing through just numbers, numbers through the system, rather than recognizing that uh, that a court system, that a judge is not a factory worker, that you cannot impose this type of quotas and deadlines onto courts. Because once you use it as a stick, then you basically destroy the inherent integrity of a court system. You and your fellow judges, you're, you're neither fish nor fowl in a way. You're judges, but you're not part of the judiciary. Would a solution be moving immigration judges into the judiciary, in which case they would have to be approved by the Senate, presumably appointed by the president to lifetime positions? 
you've definitely hit the nail on its head that the sort of the long-term or the enduring solution is to ensure that the immigration court is an independent court from the prosecutorial policies of the department or the influence of the private sort of sector on the court, which means you have to move it out of the Department of Justice. There's precedent in other types of courts, for example, the tax court or the bankruptcy court, where the same types of issues of conflict of interest and the the appearance of impropriety and the agency's use of its influence over the judges, where Congress created a separate court, put it in a separate sort of independent status, but this way you are able to protect the independence of the court without then introducing some of the challenges of having to go through the Senate confirmation process. What, to your sense, in the larger picture is the risk that you're fighting over here with your grievance? Well, I think this is the heart and soul of what it means to be a judge, because if the judges do not have true decisional independence, we are essentially then prosecutors in a judge's robe. And that is not a reflection of our American principles of democracy. Judge Ashley Tabador, the president of the National Association of Immigration Judges, thank you. Thank you so much. Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's engineered by Dave Wine and Mike Heflin and edited by Heflin. Subscribe to Pat Morrison Asks and never miss a podcast.